All right, welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rome. Today we're talking about why your marketing strategy is failing. Um, we see a lot of companies that are, are failing in some of the most basic and fundamental efforts when it comes to their marketing strategy. Uh, so we give you uh, three do's and don'ts of your marketing when it comes to traditional efforts, uh, digital efforts, and also experiential. So please give us a like, subscribe to the podcast. Let's dive right in. All right, Samuel, uh, here we are in 2023, and uh, we, we work with a lot of different companies, and honestly, we see a lot of mistakes that are being made. So we wanted to make a special episode about uh, some do's and don'ts uh, when it comes to your marketing and your marketing strategy. So the way that we broke this up for you listening and, and of course, watching, uh, we're going to break into three sections, uh, traditional, digital, and experiential, uh, in terms of the types of marketing mistakes, uh, do's and don'ts. Uh, that we see. So, Sam, let's start with digital. I know there's a lot of mistakes, uh, so it's probably hard to just pick one. Um, but what is the, the first don't or the first uh, no-no uh, when it comes to digital marketing? Yeah, I would say the number one thing I would just say is the going through the motion. Uh, because you see a lot of people, you know, when you have conversation with them on what you're doing for digital, they have a, a templatized playbook on what they're doing. You know, they're, they say, hey, we write the blogs. We're writing blogs. We're creating you know, sending out a newsletter, we're, you know, we're publishing on social media and act as if they're doing a lot of activities, but it doesn't really amount to much. Uh, there's not much outcome to, to demonstrate, uh, demonstrate for. Uh, so I think that's the number one don't that I would probably um, tell our customers or audience uh, from a digital standpoint. Don't just go through the motion of doing a bunch of activities uh, and calling it digital strategy or digital marketing. Yeah, that's a great one. We see this all the time. Um, people understand and they're starting to realize we do need digital marketing. So they look at the you know the overall market, they look at their competitors, uh, and they follow pretty much the same playbook, right? Um, and like you said, just going through the motions, a lot of times spreading themselves very thin because they don't have the resources to try to write blogs and you know send emails and uh, you know run ad campaigns don't have the budgets uh, that are required to compete in, in Google or on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, they also feel like they need to uh, post on social media. And so a lot of times, because they don't have the resources, they, as you mentioned, go through the motions, uh, outsource somebody to write content and you know just share uh, what other people are, are creating on social media so that they're active on social media. Uh, and then they get frustrated and say, well, you know, we're doing all of this, right? We're, we're doing SEO or we're doing, we're writing blogs or we're posting on social. It's just not effective. So therefore it doesn't work in our industry, right? So uh, on the flip side of that, what can you do in the digital space? Uh, well, the opposite of going through the motions is um, really taking ownership and, go and going deep, right? Uh, I would say my advice would be try to differentiate yourself because there's so much competition and everyone is seemingly going and following the same playbook and going through those motions, what can become your competitive advantage? What do you do really well at your company and how can you convey that with the marketing resources that you have or the marketing partners that you have? Um, if you're really good at explaining complicated topics, uh, you know, maybe you need to, to create a video series and, and really go deep in, in video and do everything you can to, to you know, make that your competitive advantage that our marketing is, we're going to be the best, you know, video marketers and using and leveraging that video in any way that we can on channels that make sense for us, right? 
rather than trying to do so much or trying to compete in a space that you don't really understand, uh, I would say differentiate yourself and go deep into that differentiator. Yeah, I mean, I think the the human side of the brand needs to be demonstrated uh, in 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 every marketing efforts, uh, especially on the digital side too. And I think, like you said, you know, it's very easy to just have a lot of activities and uh, and feel like you are doing uh, too many things. And then when you don't see the results, you call out, you write off that specific tactic as you you know ineffective. But in fact, it's not necessarily the tactic; it's just the way you're appro- the way you're approaching it. Um, and I think one of the things that you, you just mentioned is very important because I think a lot of times on the digital front, the biggest mistake is that people are trying to spread, up, spread themselves too thin, doing blogging, doing trying to do some videos and doing all of those things, but no one area they have gotten any success. So uh, instead of actually spreading yourselves too thin, just hone in, you know, hone in on one area. If it's long form video, then actually use that as your uh, competitive advantage. Express your expertise, demonstrate your knowledge, and then you figure out how do you repurpose that one long-form content into other channels, whether it be social or email or whatnot. Uh, and then just don't, you know, don't be just reposting and commenting on other people's content. You have to be, I often tell my kids, don't just be a consumer, be a creator, be a producer, right? So you want, you want to be producing as well, that are original yeah. thought, original ideas. Right. And we saw this uh, this year in particular, last year, uh, you know, with TikTok, right? We saw so many brands and, and individuals and, and companies explode in that channel um, you know when they probably historically were, were trying all the different channels and different tactics uh, and they really went all in on you know one channel that had a, maybe a little bit less saturation um, and it gave them that creative outlet to uh, capture that audience so uh, we don't know you know in 2023 if there's going to be a new channel that, that you could explore but the same principles can apply right find out what where you want to go all in uh, and go all in in, in that one channel. So uh, let's move on to the, the next uh, you know, sesh, section, if you will, uh, of our, our marketing. So we looked at digital. Uh, so now let's look at traditional. Uh, and maybe this is something that you wouldn't expect on a, a digital marketing podcast, but um, it is something that, that we feel like we should explore a little bit uh, because there's a lot of companies that are investing in tradi- traditional. So what are some mistakes or what's a, a big don't when it comes to traditional marketing? Yeah, I think, you know, with uh, the advent of digital medium, right, there's been a lot of investment into the digital channels. Um, you know, you you have the power of targeting the right people at the right time on the right, um, you know, right, t- you know, right time with the right message uh, on digital platform that more and more businesses were investing into the digital medium. But I think at the expense of ignoring the traditional medium, right? So I think that's where I would say, you know, don't do that. Don't ignore the, uh, the traditional medium as a viable channel to reach your target audience. Uh, that could be very extremely uh, effective. Um, yeah. You know, a couple of, couple of use cases would be like, hey, you are using digital channels to get visitors to your website. They are coming in, consuming your content or looking at your product or whatnot. Are there traditional mediums that you can leverage to, uh, to continue that conversation or continue their interest? Uh, by uh, whether it be using uh, direct mail, uh, all, all sorts of other, other mediums that are out there that are traditional that you could be leveraging to stay top of mind with your, with your target audience. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say in terms of a do for that, exactly what you said. And to summarize it, uh, I think find ways to cut through the noise. Um, you know, so many digital channels are oversaturated <clears throat> and we look at, you know, trends in marketing. We talk about this all the time. Our goal as marketers is really to find the most effective and efficient way to get in front of our audience and, and communicate with them, right? To educate them. Um, so 
digital uh, quickly became a very great way to do that because of what you just said, um, the targeting capabilities, um, the cost. But it's so oversaturated now that sometimes uh, we get we get lost in the shuffle and we get lost in the noise. So I agree with your your don't of don't ignore traditional um, because if you go back to answer that question of what's the most effective and efficient way to get in front of them, uh, maybe that is a, a direct mail piece or maybe you can marry together some digital and traditional efforts like uh, retargeting direct mail. There's a lot of companies out there that do like reverse IP lookups and those type of things to say, hey, we're running these campaigns, running these ads to get people to our website. And once they're on our website, they're looking at specific products or services, we can automatically and dynamically send them a direct mail piece that you know we know they're going to open, right? Even if they throw it away right away, uh, at least they opened it. Whereas you know, open rates on emails are are you know so low, and you could even say you know most of them end up in spam, right? So uh, I would say there there are still traditional channels that can be very valuable and and maybe even more valuable in you know this year and next year because so many companies are moving away from traditional channels. So um, look at your industry, look at your customers, and, and brainstorm some traditional tactics, traditional marketing efforts uh, that may be successful for you. Yeah, I mean, especially if your customer lifetime value is increased, you know, pretty incredible. And, uh, and you're, you know, typically your cost of acquisition is pretty high in, uh, in your industry, then you're leveraging traditional medium isn't something you need to be afraid of. Uh, like you said, I think uh, we've noticed our customers are using, uh, you know, very, very customized to custom boxes as welcome kits or uh, introductory boxes that they're sending to their customers to get them interested in. Uh, I've noticed, you know, even uh, I have received several companies that are in the SaaS industry sending me books uh, with the note cards inside and getting my attention that way because they try to send me cold emails and it hasn't worked and they probably have tried to, you know, show display ads and that didn't work. Uh, so they're like, hey, let me let me try to send this guy a book and then get their attention, right? So that's a, a traditional ch a channel, like, you know, sending somebody something of value. Uh, and then now you have an interest in wanting to explore a little bit more about what they're trying to, to get your attention from. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the the average customer value is, is uh, something you need to look at. Also, the total addressable market, right? Because... ABM has become such a you know a buzzword and um, you know something that companies are looking after. Yes, let's set some target accounts and go after them. But we've also had conversations with with companies that you know they believe their their total addressable market is like four or five companies, right? And it's so small that um, you know it, you're over, almost overthinking it when you're talking about how do we target them on you know social. It's like show up at their door, right? There's only four of them. Uh, so uh, there's there's things like that, and obviously that's an extreme example, but uh, I think you look at your total adjustable market and look at your lifetime value and you look at your current cost of acquisition. Uh, obviously, digitally, that's just going to continue to increase with the cost of, of ads and, and um, you know, going up, cost per click going up, cost per impression. So uh, maybe there's some traditional ways that you can cut through that noise and bring down your cost of acquisition by, like you said, giving them something unique um, and paying a little bit more to get in front of them uh, than you would digitally, but have a bigger impact. All right, so our, our third uh, section here when we talk about digital, traditional, uh, is experiential, right? So experiential marketing is something that's becoming more and more um, popular, I would say, in terms of defining that ca category. Um, experiences has always been a, a part of marketing, um, but things are changing in the way that we we uh, you know have those experiences. So. Uh, what is a mistake or a don't when it comes to experiential marketing? 
Yeah, I would say over index in the indexing on some sort of outdated strategy, right? Or, you know, just essentially just saying, hey, our customers are always going to these trade shows. Our competitors exhibit at this trade show. So we're going to go to this trade show could be like one way to look at it, right? I would say that's what I would call like a don't uh, from an experiential standpoint, just because uh, somebody else is doing it. I'm just going to do that. Um, that would be my, my big no-no from an experiential standpoint. Yeah, we see this all the time is, you know, uh, we just talked about traditional, but uh, companies applying outdated uh, tactics to, you know, new age channels and, and go to market strategies, right? Um, and we've talked in other podcasts around product led and community led and, um, you know, all those types of, you know, different marketing strategies, if you will. Uh, and experiential marketing is something that a lot of companies are, are really trying to dive into and create unique customer experiences for prospects and customers. But as you mentioned, uh, applying those outdated tactics of saying, okay, uh, and it almost goes back to what we talked about going through the motions. It's just checking the box of, we want to create experiences for our customers. Okay, what does that look like? Well, let's just go to this trade show and, and overpay for a booth and collect a, a list of emails and throw them into a, you know, a sequence after the, the trade show and you know maybe get you know one customer from, from the whole ordeal. Uh, and we spent, you know, five or six days of, uh, of time with our, you know, our, our, our product team, our sales team, or engineers, or whoever went to the trade show. Uh, and it just really, you know, is, is not that valuable and doesn't create, um, you know, lasting experiences for your customers, right? So instead, uh, look at creative ways you can give your audience value uh, and make your customers feel special, right? So if you think about, you know, small, intimate, interactive sessions, uh, settings uh, with either prospects or customers or a combination of two, we've seen a lot of companies do, let's say, expert panel discussions in a small, intimate setting where you have food and appetizers and, uh, you know, drinks and um, maybe a game, game show type of uh, experience with a, a panel discussion, as I mentioned, with you know, maybe 10, uh, a mixture of 10 prospects and customers, right? Something like that, where you can provide value or uh, if your audience has, you know, similar interests or, um, you know, there's some synergies between your customers, bring them together in a way that uh, creates a lasting experience and makes them feel valued, makes you feel like, makes them feel like you're thinking on behalf of the customer, you understand their industry and you can provide value. Uh, at the end of the day, that's our job as marketers, right? To, to make them feel valued, give them some value, educate them on something or illuminate something that you can you can help through your product or service so uh, i think there's there's a you know sales team has uh, traditionally done a lot of this right in terms of like customer dinners uh, and i think a dinner is, is probably a bad way to uh you got to get creative in terms of how you have those conversations and those discussions uh, but there's there's certainly creative ways that you could create those experiences for your customers and i think again this can fall more in the marketing um, you know, bubble than under sales team. Yeah, and especially if your if your organization has uh, executive team that have you know, reputation in the marketplace being some sort of an industry leader, bringing those people or bringing uh, some reputable per person in the industry as a spokesperson to come and talk at the event, give them a reason for it to show up, not just to learn about your product or how your product can help them, but something a little bit more value. And then also, people love networking. Uh, with uh, other peers in the industry. So if you're creating a more of an intimate setting, they know that they will have a much better chance of connecting with people in the, in the, in the space and building relationships. And like you said, trade shows are extremely, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not saying ignore trade shows. I think it's still very effective in 
getting your word out and getting in front of your target uh, customers, but it, it doesn't give you the intimate um, connections that you need to, to move the deals forward and move the relationships forward. Right. Yeah, exactly. What it doesn't give you the opportunity to do is, uh, you know, lead the conversation or create any sort of community, right? Because it's, it's the opposite of intimate. Uh, there's, you know, tens of thousands of people there a lot of times. Uh, and so, um, just think outside the box and, you know, take those budgets maybe that you were going to spend on a trade show and flights and hotels and those type of things and really wow your customers in a smaller, more intimate setting uh, with a similar budget or maybe even less. Most certainly. Yeah, I think a couple of things that we may have uh, also uh, wanted to just, uh, you know, give us examples on some of these other channels. I would say on the traditional front and maybe even on the experiential front, uh, we're starting to see B2B companies embracing uh, influencer marketing. Um, we've noticed several of our our own customers, and we've seen some effective brands that are actually leveraging uh, influencers, uh, sending them uh, product you know product samples or sending them custom boxes uh, to create a buzz around the brand or a product launch or some sort of a feature, and getting attention from them, and then obviously them sharing their experience to their followers, uh, which has traditionally been done by B 2 C, right? And we're starting to see that uh, being pretty useful medium for uh, B2B organizations. That's really what an influencer is, but in the business world, it, you know, you look at it as, you know, subject matter expert. So you can either build that internally, you have your, your people become those uh, subject matter experts or thought leaders, conversation leaders, or you tap into somebody who's already seen as a, a trusted advisor um, in your industry. Uh, and again, have them uh, kind of preach the value of your organization. Yeah, and one other idea that I would probably say is, you know, you've, you've, you've probably seen it with some of the, the tech and SaaS companies doing it. If they cannot, if they don't have internal subject matter experts that are today is able to create content or they don't have the time and means to do it, they're hiring dedicated resources that are just on the content topic research and creation of content or the wallet size is big enough that they're actually going and acquiring publications that really uh, speak to their audience. We've seen that time and time again. Um, you know, HubSpot, high, uh, HubSpot bought uh, several podcast, you know, um, companies and you saw, you know, outreach, high, you know, buying sales hacker. And there's a lot of applications like that being acquired by uh, tech and SaaS companies. So if you don't have already the access to the audience that you're trying to, to break into, then maybe you need to invest heavily into building a team internally that can actually go create content or buy a publication that already has that audience and then leverage that audience to grow your grow your customers. So that could also be a, a digital strategy to, to and digital is somewhat traditional. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, hopefully you, you all found some value uh, in our conversation today. If there are some do's and don'ts that you see in the market that you want to share with us, please feel free to comment, uh, send us an email. Uh, and if there's any other topics that you want us to cover in the future, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Please give us a like, subscribe uh, to our, our YouTube channel or wherever you listen to podcasts uh, and share this episode with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear the message. And tune in next week. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS, helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world. One web, one IMS.